Well, hey there, loggers. How are you now? I hope that the answer for all of you is pretty good, Mrs. C. Pretty darn good. I am happy to say that today's taping day is relatively sunny, albeit a bit cool. Way better than 43 and rainy, though. As of today, we officially have five class days left in the semester. I'm sure that you all are looking forward to the end of the semester as much as I am. Now, normally, I look at the final days of the semester with a little nostalgia about all of the great connections and amazing moments on campus. This year, though, all I can focus on is commencement for our seniors. After the last year and a half, all of us, all any of us really want is for the ceremony to go well and for our 2021 and 2020 seniors to have a very, very special send off. Cross your fingers, folks. Our seniors need the well wishes and maybe just a little bit of luck. Now, speaking of seniors, I'm incredibly delighted to welcome Jade Herbert, class of 2021, to today's show. Jade is a double major in both psychology and African-American studies. Originally from Oakland, she's also part of the Posse 2 cohort. Jade, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am doing pretty good. Yes. Good. <laughs> well, we were talking uh, uh, briefly before the show. As a senior, you have a very short time uh, left on this great campus. Um, how are your final preps going, last papers, all of those things? You know, they're in the works. Um, they're definitely going, and um, they everything will be fine in the end, and everything will be completed. Um, they are not too bad, but they're, they just take up a lot of time and, um, work. So I just need to finish that out and then I'll be done. And then you will be done. All right. So if you have listened to this podcast at all, um, you know what the first question is. Um, if you haven't, here is the first question. How has the pandemic been for you? What has it been like spending your last really two semesters plus half your, your second uh, semester of your junior year, how, what's that been like for you living through this pandemic? Yeah, it's, I can say my top word is interesting. Um, I definitely know that like being 22, like within my lifetime, there's been like the swine flu and different sicknesses that have been around, but I don't really remember those. So to be in a pandemic, like I've just, it's just been a really weird time, just always walking around with masks on, not being able to hug people. Um, so it's very weird, but also like grateful and privileged to know that like I have resources um, and access to a lot of things if I got sick. So my time has been all right, because I know that if I got sick, I could get help, but also kind of like sucky because I haven't been able to consistently be around friends or like see my mom and things like that. So it's been a interesting, but good and like really self-reflective time within quarantine. Yeah. Oh, self-reflective. Can I ask you what you've been reflecting on? Yeah. Um, I think it just gave me a lot of time to just think about like who I am just within my senior year. Um, because definitely the pandemic hit like right at the end of my junior year coming into senior year it just allowed me to really set my goals for what I want to do in the future and I definitely know that like at some point I would have done that but I had no excuse because 
I had to be inside all the time. So essentially, not that like it's okay to overwork yourself just because you're not doing anything else. But that was one thing I was able to just say like, hey, Jade, set your goals, apply for jobs, like do all these things that you now have the time to do because later in the semester, you probably won't. Um, so the beginning of quarantine was pretty self-reflective even now, but I feel like the beginning was a lot more just like I could take more time to myself because I was in quarantine. It's, um, interesting. A, a friend of mine and I were talking the other day about, um, you know, certainly nobody wants to be in a pandemic anymore, but mm -hmm. some of the things that we actually might miss a little bit from the very beginning of, of the pandemic. And it sounds like being able to do some of that reflection might have might be something you actually enjoyed. Yeah, it was a, it was a very it was a growing moment for me, especially because I I turned 21 right before the pandemic. So I had all these like ideas about what I was going to do for my 21st and 22nd birthday and just kind of didn't come around to doing it, but like in that moment I just said to myself, like, okay, you can't go out and party, whatever. You can't go to the clubs. But, like, what can you do, like, as a – even, like, you're an adult, but, like, as this, like, newfound, like, 21-year-old, like, what – like, I guess in my head, like, as a woman, like, what can I be, like, better improving about myself? So it really gave me time to think about that and kind of reframe what I could do with my time. I listen to a podcast. It's one of my – it's – it's an, it's an amazing podcast uh, called I Saw What You Did. And, and one of the hosts um, has now spent two significant birthdays in a pandemic. Um, and I, I take that back. Uh, last year's significant birthday was in a pandemic. The year before, she was actually hospitalized, I believe. So she's like missed out on these really. Um, and that's a, that's a hard thing, that celebration, what should be a really big celebration and not being able to do that. But it sounds like you've made the most of it, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what what is school like? I, I always have to ask, I, I talked to um, Professor Dan Burgard last week. He teaches chemistry, asked him what it's like to have to teach chemistry online. What's it been like for you to do some of your psychology classes, African-American study classes? online or are you getting to do any in person these days? Yeah. So for my um, AFAM thesis, um, I, I'm sorry, AFAM stands for African-American studies, but <laughs> for my AFAM thesis, I am in person. And um, that is with Dr. Livingston. And I have about five other people in the class with me. So it's been a really like good experience. I just got out of that um, class today on Tuesday. So it was really like really cool, chill time. Um, freaking adore Dr. Livingston. And so like, it's just a really good experience to be doing that um, in person. But with my psych courses, I'm in one psych, what what classes am I in? Oh, I'm in one psych <laughs> course right now. And um, with that course, it has been, I think I prefer it to be online also understand like the in-person aspect but it just made me realize that like a lot of what we have in person is like something we can do online and we can make it a lot more accessible to people um and it's like some people are like being able to stay at home and it's cheaper for them to do that and so for me it's just been 
really great to have it online because like I can go to someone's house and take like my class in a different environment, which is like better for my mental health. Um, but other than that, like I have been doing pretty fine with kind of like that hybrid model essentially. Um, but yeah, the online, it, it took some time to get used to, but definitely I'm like, I feel like I've adapted so much to it now that I'm like, okay, cool. Like this is just show up to class, do what you can do um, in person holds you to be more accountable but <laughs> online is almost the 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 same thing but in person like you actually have to pay attention you should be taking notes and like at home like you can kind of be watching tv in the background so <laughs> there's its pros and cons but yeah it's, it's not that you would life. ever do that right <laughs> well, it hasn't it never happened before <laughs> <laughs> i i think that's a it's going to be hard. I noticed uh, things about myself uh, uh, in Zoom calls and and um, a, a, in particular conferences and things um, that it's easy to get distracted, um, you know, by these other things. And because you don't have the presence of other people watching you um, and that accountability, as you said, um, it's a lot easier to be, you know, I, I sent myself to a conference last fall virtual conference and i got distracted by my cats so often during that conference and it's just really easy to do because you're not sitting in an auditorium with a bunch yeah. of people who are all watching to see what you're doing and there's no cats typically yeah. you know those <laughs> things you, but you don't have someone there like like ju not judging but like perceiving us like when someone's able to perceive you and like have their own judgment about you it's like you act completely different but when you're at home it's like well <laughs> i can turn my camera off like you're not gonna see me yeah I, it's definitely a different experience but i think there's like the beauty in that we found an, a way to provide education online which was like really cool and i think it made it really accessible um so, yeah. Do you think that's going to be hard for folks? Um, will it be hard for you to have to go back to that in-person component after spending this much time in, in the virtual world? I think, once again, I would have to adapt back into it. And because I know the in-person world a lot more, um, I think that, like, code switching or, like, adaption would probably be easier um I kind of feel bad for like the freshman class coming in just like that is a different way to be learning however they will get that like college experience of in-person back which would be really cool um but I definitely think like there's going to be some difficulties but again I think that like it really just shows that we can do some things online like if people get sick now and we need to switch to online rather than having someone come to class we can do an online thing because now we know how to actually maneuver it. Yeah, it's it's not the impossibility we once thought it was. Yeah, and even a lot of jobs now, like we actually found out a lot of jobs can actually be done virtually. We don't need people commuting in like in our traffic and coming across like somewhere when it can actually be done virtually. I I've I've heard that said before and I'm and I agree I'm curious to see what jobs and what sectors mm -hmm. will you know will remain at home. I think that'll be an interesting that's a whole study in itself. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> the kind of the kind of research questions that will come out of this pandemic are going to be long and fruitful. It's yeah. it's gonna, that's going to be really cool. Um, all right, so let's let's uh, kind of uh, switch over to a different um, set of questions. You and I connected for this interview because you are also a staff member um, in civic engagement leadership, and you um, work with the always amazing Skylar Beal. Um, can you talk a little bit about the job that you have um, in civic engagement and leadership? Yes. So essentially, we are still kind of under that sector, but I work within Skylar's kind of department of um, the, the student involvement program. Mm -hmm. um, and so with that, it kind of changed. So I used to, well, I kind of still do it now, but like at one point when we were, when we were in person, um, I would plan events with another partner um, and it would be about like maybe 10 students, but we would do we would do, what was it, Tacoma related events. So like taking them to places around Tacoma um, and like showing them the essence of Tacoma just to get them like acclimated with their space. Um, so I did that a lot and being in the office of um, the center, I would like do office management tasks and help with different things. And um, I also worked with them over the summer. So I was able to help with like some sexual health um, programming when it came to like the flyers and helping with brave with marta um so that was like pretty cool to work with them in different capacities um so skylar is like my main supervisor and but when i was at the center it was like multiple multiple things i was doing under multiple teams um but yeah that was pretty much what i did and what I still kind of do, but because of the pandemic, we don't really plan outings anymore. Um, and everything's pretty much virtual. Yeah. So speaking of Tacoma, um, this uh, great city we live in, uh, what's your one of your favorite things to do here? That is a great question. I think I really like going to Ruston. I just like the the drive in like the waterfront. Um, like when my best friend came, that's where I took her. So it was really nice to go there. I don't know if I, I necessarily have a favorite because I definitely am more, that's a lie. I was gonna say I'm really a homebody, but I'm actually really extroverted, but also introverted. Yeah, it, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> like to like go out and get out, but I also like to stay home. Um, but with the pandemic hitting junior year, I just feel like, and when I turned 21, that was my time to really just go out and find favorite places, but kind of couldn't. Um, but I would say Reston Way is my favorite. And some, like, other, like, I would say, like, bar-type places um, that's, like, something fun to do. But, yeah, I would say Reston is my favorite. Okay. That's good. That's, that's a good, great answer. Great answer. And then, like, Boba places, but, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite boba place? Okay, see, this is like a free promotion for them. But <laughs> let's see. I Okay, personally, I really like, that's actually a good question. I don't, I think just being from the Bay Area, boba is like a staple there. So like 
I don't think any Tacoma boba would ever top a Bay Area's boba. Let's just say I like boba in Tacoma. I'm not going to give their name, <laughs> but there, there's boba places around. People, they're pretty popular in Tacoma. I just prefer Bay Area's boba, but if I am out, like I will get boba or like a Starbucks or something. All right. That's a very diplomatic answer of it. <laughs> So one of the things that you've been working on um, within your student job is is uh, sexual health kits. Can you talk a little bit more about that project that you're continuing? Yes. So essentially, in the beginning of the semester, I had to figure out what project I wanted to do. And so I just, let me back up, just dealing with my own experiences within sexual health and learning about my body more and learning about like the STIs and a whole bunch of things, yeast infections and all these things. Like that's just not information that like I fully knew. Like I knew about it, but I didn't fully know. And I was like, hmm, this is pretty interesting. Um, like I'm, when you're 21, you have to go through a whole new medical thing I guess <laughs> is what I was told. And so I, I did that with my doctor but it came to the point where I was like, I don't really know any terms you're using. And I don't really think college students know these terms. And sexual health is really big on colleges because this is like people's kind of prime time. And so I thought that why not like produce or really like amplify the idea of just positive, like positivity around sexual health and um, providing just resources and access to like materials for people to practice like safe sex or just have information um, around it and also for it to not be so stigmatized um, because I had friends always coming to me and I'm very, granted a lot of my friends are males but we often talk about their girlfriends and i'm like you know these are certain things that you should do and they could get this and this and this with their own natural bodies and this is how you should help them but the fact that they didn't know that and i was like oh we're on a college campus and a lot of people are finagling with everyone you should probably know what to do if you come up in a situation with anything. So essentially I was like, cool, let me just put these bags together because it stops for, it just stops a lot of, let's say, I feel like it stops a lot of stigma stigmatization on sexual health and it doesn't have to be awkward. Um, and so what would be included in the bags are like condoms, um, dental dams, lubricant, um, like just sexual health information for women and men. And um, what else? And some information for non-binary folks. Um, and there was something else, some information about chas. So like just information that really gives them insight onto like, this is sexual health, but also if I need more resources about health for people who are vagina carriers, <laughs> like here's where you can go for this extra information because it's not taught a lot. That's, that's pretty cool. We, we, um, 
and when I say we, uh, for the listening audience, I mean like collectively college campuses are great about uh, giving out free condoms and being like, mm -hmm. hey, here's, you know, there's mere bowls of condoms almost everywhere, right? Um, but that extra bit of information about, you know, STIs that can come up um, uh, as a result of sex or, um, you know, all of the, the extra pieces that you're right, it's not ever taught. I mean, that's a very cool idea. I, I, I wish you well with the project. Thank you. <laughs> all right. We are going to take a short break. Uh, lovely loggers out there. Um, the couple of songs that Jade listed, um, we were just talking about, so I'm going to hope I get these right. Um, but you are welcome to listen in on, uh, the accompanying playlist. And when I say the accompanying playlist, um, and my dad was good, good enough to point this out to me a few weeks ago. When I say the accompanying playlist, when you go to the SoundCloud and, and actually look out for these episodes, there's a cool little description of each episode. And then if you scroll down, there's a whole section of YouTube links for each song. So um, that's when I, what I mean by the accompanying playlist. Wayne, thanks always for your suggestions. Um, so at any rate, let's get back to it. The uh, We're going to head out into a little musical break with Kenyon Dixon. And the song is Tithes. Back in a second, folks. All right, loggers, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed Kenyon Dixon and Tithes. Before we get into a conversation about Jade's favorite influencers, uh, let's talk a little bit about a class that she was involved with called the African Diaspora Experience. The class uh, taken over fall 2019, I believe, uh, semester, and taught by um, the highly esteemed Dr. Latoya Brackett, um, culminated in a trip to Ghana over the winter break for a few uh, faculty staff members and then um, the, what, 20-ish um, students. Um, Jade, I'm hoping you can talk to me a little bit about what drew you to the class, um, and then I have some kind of follow-up questions. Yeah, so um, I am within the major, and I was always wanting to go to Africa as a whole, um, and that's just because, like, being African-American is drastically different from just being African, um, and so it's like being Kenyan-American, Ghanaian-American, but, like, being African-American, like, I'm a direct link to, like, the post-Atlantic Atlantic slave trade. Um, and so the having the opportunity to go to Ghana, I was just like, oh my God, like I need to get on that. And I got on it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So sem full semester class and then the, the trip was over the winter break. Mm -hmm. Is that right? One of the interesting things I think um, we talk a lot about with our study abroad students is when they come back, uh, from, you know, their semester abroad or something, uh, there's always a little bit of a, you know, a reacclimation to the United States. Mm -hmm. I know you weren't gone for a semester, but did you feel that, that kind of, uh, I yeah. don't know, like, uh, and cultural clash maybe is not the right phrase, but did you feel that, that challenge when you came back, even after a short period? Yeah, like coming back into America in general was just like we can see the individualism like in Africa and Ghana specifically um, is what I can speak to within Accra, Cape Coast and Kumasi. Um, 
very collectivist culture out there. But speaking to directly when I came back into the country, I had a physical response and like an emotional response. So physically, my body broke out into like these hive things. Don't know what happened. Still don't know the, the cause behind it. I'm thinking malaria, not sure, but went to the hospital multiple times. So my body was didn't really react the way I expected it to. But when I was there, my skin was like doing great. Like differences with water, you know, kind of weird, but like skin was doing fantastic. And that's how I knew I was supposed to be there <laughs> in my head. But um, when I got back in the country, skin was not reacting the best. So that was really like hard to deal with just like, I always say my face is my money maker. My education is my money maker. So just dealing with that was really hard. But um, also just coming back emotionally, just being in a country where you don't feel like a minority. Like I definitely was obviously seen different because I am American. And that was the first time that I really ever had to recognize my positionality as being American and that Americanness has its privileges. But within that, I just, I didn't feel any different. Um, I just felt like I blended in and seeing billboards that had black people on it. I just was like, whoa, it's not like some like weird commercial, like commercial billboard. It's like, there's black people everywhere. Like the black diaspora is like so big. And to be a part of that was just like literally the best experience um, of my, my life. And currently this Friday, um, I am giving a presentation on the survey collect a survey data collected from the course. Um, so gave out surveys for everyone's like experience and just to reflect about each space. And so I did that this semester as an independent study, and I'm presenting on that Friday about the uh, qualitative data analysis of the trip. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, good luck yeah. with the presentation. Thank you. Can you, um, without giving too much about your presentation away, can you talk a little bit about some of that experience that folks had? Yeah, um, I can speak to mine more in particular and then some of like other students, but I know for some students, because there was a lot of um, white students who went, I know it was definitely a really um, challenging time at some points because you definitely, for how do I say this for them as white students because I'm not white like I'm not descendants of a technically not descendants of a colonizer but like I'm not white like I don't have I have that blood in me due to slavery but like I'm not directly from it and I know a lot of people just had a really interesting time grappling with that reality of like hey like I have a tremendous amount of privilege and like this is not really my space I don't even though I hold power as an American and as like a white person, like I don't hold that power and this space is not for me. This is for black students to really like thrive and understand where they come from. But also like being a white student there, it was a very good learning opportunity. So collecting that from like the survey responses um, of people being really reflective just on their whiteness and their white guilt, but also learning a lot about black joy and what it means to be um, within another continent and like see black people globally and the differences between America and Ghana was really nice. But within some of the black students, just like really reflecting on like our identities as well, 
um, and what we learned and how it was really like a growing, um, a growing moment for, for all of us. Yeah. So that, that phrase black joy has been used. Um, uh, I, I, let me rephrase that. I've, I've heard it probably three or four times just in the last week or, or two. What does that phrase mean to you? I think that's actually a really good question. I think, I think black joy is not only being happy because I think happiness is, can be tangible. Um, and, but I think black joy is peace. I think black joy is being able to be around other black people or really anyone, but feel comfortable in your blackness, not being afraid, just being able to thrive and live as a black person. And that is extremely hard to do in America, um, just because of the, you know, especially like within the different um, identities um, that people hold within themselves. But that is something I think that even like older black people have a hard time reaching just because like it's hard to find joy if you're constantly struggling and fighting. But I think for me, it's meaning happiness and um, finding what meshes with you. And if you like kids, like, you know, seeing kids run around who are black and living their lives, you know, like that, that's black joy. Like finding a group of black women to go on a trip with, like that's black joy, especially just black woman joy. It's, I feel like is a whole nother different concept. Um, but yeah, black joy, I feel like is just being able to be black and alive and be just happy is the best way I can explain it. Yeah, it's just, I don't, I feel like it's just a feeling when you hit, like when you see another black person doing well, like that's black joy. And that's, I feel like a, only a feeling black people can mutually express between another, between each other because we know what that feeling is. So it's kind of hard for me to explain or conceptualize because it's kind of a feeling you can have or it can be learned. It just depends on like who you are. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate I appreciate the the definition. That's helpful. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and I have heard it um the, the the way it was used with me about a week ago was was specific to something you said um affirming part of what you said about, um, you know, being able to just be in a place with other people and, and be safe in that place mm -hmm. um, was, was part of the definition that somebody else gave me uh, last week. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. So let's, let's take a hard, sharp right turn. <laughs> and talk about your favorite influencers. Um, ages and ages ago, uh, I, I would love to say you're the first person who's listed their influencers on the show, but you're not. Um, you're in good company though. Ages and ages ago, Colin Noble um, was on the show and talked about their favorite influencers. Um, and it it was a great conversation. I'm looking forward to this one as well. Tell me from, from your perspective, how does one become an influencer? What is what, what what do I got to do, Jade, to become an influencer? I definitely think, well, within my day and age, um, someone has to like have the followers on Instagram. They have to be preaching a message um, that hopefully gets along with the likes of many people. So sometimes it's like neutrality, which was 
isn't always good, but like it's it's being able to gain followers, I guess, just to get your name out there. And so I really I'm very iffy about not even the term influencer, but just kind of what it means to be an influencer, because I think that it erases a lot of your identity, but it also hyper like mm -hmm. what is the word? Is it hyper visibility? Like it makes you hyper visible in certain ways as well, while like taking away some things. Um, but I think what makes an influencer is either having followers or doing something that is good and is powerful. Okay. The influencer can be bad. But like, yeah, you know, <laughs> just doing something that makes <laughs> someone multiple eyes look at you, or if it's a like an interpersonal relationship, like someone very close to you could be an influencer, but they're an influencer because they've done something that speaks personally in connection to yourself. So you, you listed two different influencers, um, Simone Mariposa and Beyonce. Yes. What, what is the draw to each of these individuals? So Beyonce has been like my lifelong favorite artist. Like I didn't list any of her songs, but <laughs> she's like, Oh, like when I was a baby, her music was the only thing that would like, my mom always told me that would shut me up. Like she would just sit me in front of the TV and put it on. Then I would stop crying. So I don't know. It's just me and her. We just, we're here. We, we have a great connection. So there's something about her. And I definitely feel like, like as I've grown up, I've broadened my music horizon. But um, it's, I think for me, her music has always spoken to me, but also just like, what she represents as a black woman. And I know like colorism isn't always talked amongst like with her um, and like certain body image things aren't always talked about. And I know that she probably struggles with that, but it's the fact that I think she stayed so relevant for so long and she like did what she needed to do to thrive. And that can be good or bad. I just kind of seen that inside of that a little bit. Like when I kind of like assess her and I'm like, it takes a lot to stay in power and it takes a lot to stay relevant. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like she pulled these different avenues, made sure she had multiple streams of income to stay an influencer and to stay wealthy in a sense. Um, so there's that. Um, I'm going to take a minute, uh, if it's okay with you, um, yeah. to define colorism. Not everybody may be uh, aware of that concept. So is that okay with you um, if I define it real quick for listeners? Yeah, you can. Um, so for those of you who are uh, listening and may not have heard of the phrase colorism, it's a it's a particular kind of discrimination against individuals with darker skin tone, um, and in particular, um, it's it's a darker skin tone amongst people in the same uh, ethnic or racial group. So, there's a large conversation um, uh, amongst uh, uh, Black folks who have you know. Uh, can run the gamut of, of light skin to very dark skin and um, and how darker skin folks in black uh, uh, black folks are seen as as different yeah, um, yeah. less than um, and uh, it's so it's it's not only within uh, the black community certainly um, it's in myriad different cut, uh, uh, communities but certainly um, is is talked about 
I think in this country anyways, more within the black community. So, yeah. Um, and I, I think I bring that up because she is a lighter skinned woman. And I think for me growing up, I was always like, okay, she's my influencer, but I look at her differently because she is lighter skin. So at one point that was like my beauty image. And I learned for myself to be like, that doesn't have to be your beauty image because there is beauty in having darker skin. Um, but I like, I, I think I also bring that up because I noticed that she doesn't always speak to certain things, but that's also because that protects her image as an influencer. Mm. So I'm always like, okay, like I see the ins and outs of what it is to kind of be an influencer, but um, with Simone Mariposa, I really hope I'm pronouncing her name right, um, but she is a plus size, um, dark skinned black woman who's a model influencer. Um, and I recently, I've been probably following her for about two years now. Um, and she, for me, I think I've been coming around to accept myself more within, within my own body image. And she's like a couple of size bigger, bigger than me. Um, but I always look to her as not only a confidence booster, she just says some very like informational things about body image and post pictures that are very just like, you know, accepting yourself and of having, once again, we say like black fat joy, because that is a different stigma and different, it's viewed differently within many different communities of having body weight. Um, and that's also an American thing of having body weight. So um, she is like, great. And I, I really like, I really like her message she puts out. And then like, my mom is my influencer. So yeah. <laughs> You mentioned at the top of the show that you really miss your mom. How's, how yeah. long has it been since you've seen her? I actually got to see her in January. So I just like made the, made the risk. And I was like always six feet from her with the mask on. But I seen her for a couple of days then. But before that, I hadn't seen her for a year and a half. Um, I think it was about a year and a half. It was from when I went to Ghana, I seen her. And then when I got back from Ghana, I hadn't seen her until this year. So there was the whole year of 2020 that I hadn't seen her. That's yeah. So it was, it was a very long time. And my, my mom's a single mom. So I was raised by her and my, um, my uh, grandparents who passed away a, a long time ago, but yeah, it was a very nice, it was a very nice time just rekindling a relationship and just being far away from home. Mm -hmm. um, and, she, you know, being her only child, she was like, no, I don't want you to go that far. And that was really interesting, like, to have that relationship being so far. And, you know, you hit a certain age, I feel like this may not be for everyone, but you start to struggle with your parents a little bit. Like, you get in your little tits and tats. But, like, now we're in, like, a great space. And it was just really nice seeing her because I really needed to, like, I don't know. It's something about having a mom and just seeing her and just her being there for me. So it was a really good time. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah. My mom is uh, in town uh, as we speak and it's, it's always, it's always nice to see your mom. Always yeah. nice to see your mom. It's just something about the mothers. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to some music. Um, we're going to take uh, one more musical break. Um, again, on the accompanying playlist that you can find directly beneath the description of the show, there is a link to our next song. Um, and I specifically pulled this from one of Jade's favorite TV shows. Uh, 
and uh, the TV show that we'll talk about in a few minutes is called Lovecraft Country. Um, the song uh, is by is Blackbird by Nina Simone. We'll be back in a second, folks. Hey there, loggers. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed Blackbird by Nina Simone. That was a part of the soundtrack from season one of Lovecraft Country, uh, which is one of Jade's favorite TV shows. And if you're interested in that TV show, I'm pretty sure you can find it on HBO. All right, Jade, you are getting a, two degrees in psychology and African-American studies. Mm -hmm. What is next with those shiny degrees? So um, I just recently accept, accepted a job um, at the Telecare Corporation. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> but I will be a case manager. Um, and so it's pretty much focusing on behavioral health and recovery plans for folks. Um, so it's, from my understanding, it's like a nine-month program or some sorts do not quote me on that. That can be completely wrong, but um, I essentially just help like people within the community with recovery plans, with their behavioral health, follow up with them to see how they're doing. Um, so that's my job that I just accepted, but I do hope from this year that I take off to work and kind of get experience to apply to a master's program. Um, and so I hope to do like a master's in counseling or like counseling psychology or maybe social work. I don't know about social work, but possibly. Um, but yeah, something, a degree in psychology, not really sure. So that's why I'm taking a, a year off on top of like the experience to, to get in the field a little more. That is good news. Congratulations. Thank you. That is very awesome. So where is uh, Telecore? Telecore? Telecare Corporation. Telecare I feel Corporation. Like that. Yes. Where's that? Where's that uh, headquartered? So surprisingly, the headquarters is like actually like based in Alameda. So oh. like right next door to Oakland, but um, I'm working in Tacoma. So I'm staying out here for a while. I just signed my lease to an apartment yesterday. So yeah, it's, it's out here. So <laughs> good, good things are coming around. Just trying to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to get too ahead of too ahead of the, the actual graduation date, but that's really great. Congratulations. That's Thank a big you. deal. Thank you. Well, okay. <laughs> so um, is this, is psychology what you planned on majoring in when you first got here? Yeah. So when I came in, I was like psychology, like full throttle, no questions asked. Um, and then I wanted to take African-American study courses because I wanted to learn more about my personal history because I had um, my grandparents were from the South and they were, my grandfather was from Alabama. So like deep mm -hmm. South and my grandmother was from Texas. So that's like South, but not as deep, you know, as Alabama. So um, they, I know they experienced a lot of racism. My grandmother was also more fair skin. So her experience was very different, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I really wanted to learn about just kind of that black experience just everywhere so um pretty much ended up taking the class and was like oh i actually love all the faculty here they're kind of like family and why not double major i'm also an overachiever so you know my mom has two degrees as well so i'm like okay mom i'm gonna match you because she always says I have two degrees da, 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 da. and I'm like, okay, well now I have two degrees. So <laughs> what are her, what are her two degrees in? 
she um, is a registered registered nurse, retired, um, and she also had a degree in criminal justice because she also, I think, wanted to be a lawyer at some point. Good for her. Good I think for her. so, yeah. But so, yeah, she has two degrees in that. <laughs> That's great. Well, and then, uh, you know, you can do the whole one-upping thing when you get your master's degree. Exactly. <laughs> like, so you mentioned you mentioned that the faculty here are like family. Um, you know, have uh, you could probably talk about all of your faculty, um, but can you pick one that you have found particularly inspiring? Yes, I will say because I work with um, Dr. Latoya Brackett. I call her Dr. Brackett. Um, I've worked with her. So she earned it, much. so it's a good thing to call her. Yeah, I'm like anytime. Also, like reference is always Dr. Brackett, never first name, never Dr. Brackett, not even Professor Brackett. Um, but I guess, and that's really important for me and that I learned about her because she's always saying like, I got my doctorate, like you're going to call me Dr. Brackett. And I think that's really important for a black woman. Like if they have their doctorate, call them doctor. Um, but her and Dr. Livingston, but I think I've worked very close with Dr. Brackett and just her work ethic and everything and her being on the younger end um, as like faculty. I don't, we just had a lot of moments to connect and she's been like a great, just like mentor in my life and like my personal life, my educational life. And so like, she's my like number one, like person I would always just like go to for any advice. It's like that, like, I don't want to say mom because I don't like that like stereotype that people can give black women, but it's like the, the older sister you can go to for, like mm -hmm. for any advice. And like, we're definitely not on the same level, like not even by a comparison, but definitely a person where I'm like, I can go to you for multiple things because we are within close age range <laughs> to an extent, but like also like gets what I'm going through. So yeah, just very, very great, great woman. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's nice. It's nice that that you have found that mentorship role with her. It's been great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In our last remaining minutes, um, I want to talk about um, uh, your favorite TV shows. Uh, mm -hmm. You listed some really, really good ones. <laughs> On My Block, Bridgerton, Lovecraft Country, how to get away with murder and stranger things. Holy catfish. These, I mean, this is a really, really good list, Jade. I, I, as well, anybody who's listened to the show can, can tell you, I love TV and I love movies. <laughs> um, the, the, um, and, and a really kind of eclectic list. I mean, you got Bridgerton in there, which is a little, pretty steamy let's be honest mm -hmm. um uh my dad tried to have a conversation with me about bridgerton and i was like nope dad nope. yeah <laughs> nope mm, shut it down dad i can't have this conversation with you about this 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 uh this tv show um which uh, tell tell me about one of these and what's what drew you to it you pick one anyone okay i particularly love lovecraft uh country um it's so funny because I didn't have HBO Max at the time and my friend had it. So I was at their house every single day, like every episode. Like they even got into the show because I was like, 
move out of the way. You're not playing video games. Like I'm watching my show. Like <laughs> I need to watch this. I was like on the late curve too of like watching it because everyone had already watched it. Um, but I really love that the cast is black. They have great, phenomenal actors. Um, and on top of that, like they talk about sundown towns. Like that is a, a, a still present reality for a lot of black people of you needing to be inside your home or out of that town. By, by the time the sun goes down or there's a possibility you will get lynched or you will get hurt. And, you know, you probably won't be seen again. And that, for me, was something I learned in that show. But on top of it, they talk about, like, Uncle Tom's Cabin and have an episode about that. And I also like the witchery, like, voodoo, hoodoo, like, magic in it, um, which I thought was really cool. And just showing that, that like, magic and that culture is very... I would say indigenous, obviously, to Native folks, but also like a certain part of that is indigenous to Black folks, African folks as well, and that being in practices. Um, but like how that is very connected to Blackness and um, that has been lost in translation over the years and just within colonization um, and how that was just like shown in the show, mm -hmm. but also like the complexities of like, like colorism again and um just like not even anime what was it like not marvel but like black artistry of like sci-fi and black people being into that and seeing the is the word dualities or just the the idea of kind of spoiler a black woman wanting to experience what it felt like to be white and using magic to do that. But like seeing that so clearly in a form that like she was literally treated different and then showing a moment that was kind of like that was related to Emmett Till and like just the way like the artistry of it, it was just a great show. I cannot remember the producer, but I feel like it was, I think she was black. I know she was, I think it's a black woman. I'm looking it up. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Lovecraft Country. I'll edit all of this out. I was going to say Shonda Rhimes, but Shonda Rhimes is uh, <laughs> Bridgerton and Grey's Anatomy. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Develop my Misha Green. Um, uh Produced by Monkey Pop Productions. So maybe it was um, Melissa or what you said. I think it was Mi Misha Green. Misha, yeah. Um, Misha Green. Yeah. Uh, oh, and she also produced um, the historical drama Underground. There we go. Yes, because Underground is also another great show that I finished in a day. And it was eight episodes. I it's I also think I just really am loving this production of just black films. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just been very, very nice to watch. So with Lovecraft and Underground, I watched that stuff so fast. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Watched it in a day. So, <laughs> well, I can imagine um, after a, a very long time of not having um, the black experience shown as frequently mm -hmm. that now that those shows are becoming not not as mainstream as they should be but certainly more mainstream it's probably like oh 
I'll take all of the things right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the magic part of that, like of Lovecraft was really interesting because even though they talked about it in a time of like segregation um, and there was like a lot going on within civil rights, it spoke to like the fact that we don't always have to see black trauma. So like Underground was unfortunately like, you know, a little black trauma, but it also was telling the story a little bit of Harriet Tubman and some things mm -hmm. of that sorts. But like, the sci-fi aspect of Lovecraft was nice to see this like black woman figure out who she was, but that wasn't full, even though her, something happened to her daughter, it wasn't fully related to black trauma. And I think our society normalizes black trauma so much. So when I was able to finally watch something that like was black trauma in a sense, but like was more magical, like historical lineage thing, um, it was different. And, um, there is definitely obviously moments in the show of, of black trauma, but it sometimes it's nice to just see black actors in a different capacity. There was a um, one of my favorite podcasts is Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, it's an NPR podcast, but he was just talking to um, a television critic the other day about black trauma and, and the shows that are now coming out that are, are focusing on something other than that. It was very interesting and not something um, I had been fully aware of until that episode. So um, if you, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the television writer, but if, if you wanna listen to 20 minutes of, of some really interesting conversation about television and black trauma in, in television, Sam Sanders, it's been a minute. I could listen to him read the phone books. So um, yeah. pretty much anything's interesting coming out of his mouth. but. Anyhow, all right, so you highly, highly uh, uh, support Lovecraft Country. Um, on my block uh, was uh, one of the, I think, the lesser known mainstream ones on your list. Um, you know, Stranger Things is a huge block, uh, you know, kind of blockbuster uh, Netflix show. On my block, though, is about four kids, um, four people, um, and their kind of exploration of youth. Um, how did you get into that show? I think at the time, a lot of my friends were like, oh, cool, cool show. It seems like it's based in like LA somewhere. Like we're all like from the Bay Area, like a lot of my friends um, who've grown up in like low income neighborhoods. So it was kind of reflecting that a little bit, but um, it also had like a lot of a large Latinx influence. So it really connected me to home. So I just was like, let me just watch this like I'm not a kid kid anymore like would love to see some college age films so should have put like what is it called grownish on there uh because that show's great but with on my block um they it's just a really interesting story of kids like finding money like that's just like a cool little adventure to go on but just also the the realities of being like in a gang and Mm -hmm. having your family you know lead that and you kind of being expected to step up next and I think that in a lot of POC communities and any community really but especially within POC communities um there's a lot of pressure to take mm -hmm. on that next role depending on the family that you're in um and it really spoke to like my my mom and my family of like if you're not going to school, you better get a job or join the army. Like you're going to do something with yourself. And with them, it was very like, there's no other option. You're going to be a part of this gang because that's like all they know. And that's that option for them. Um, and so for me, I was like, I've seen this happen before in my real life. I've seen people lose their life to 
gang violence and gun violence. Um, so I, it was just a really interesting parallel into my life without being too close, but being very close to home. Hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, real quick into Gronish. Should I mean no spoilers, but you know, should Zoe have left college? Yeah. Have you seen that? See that part? Oh, he left. Okay, I can't. Well, I might have. I might have. I might have. I might have. There's a little piece where I was like, "Hmm, is she gonna leave?" But I haven't seen the episode, so if she left, it's okay. If it's a spoiler, it's okay. <laughs> she, she, yeah, I think she drops out. And I, I was talking about that. Mm -hmm. now, wait, what? And um, I haven't seen the the subsequent episodes. So I, I got to go back and. Whew. I also just have a really huge crush on um, Trevor Jackson. So <laughs> is he the guy that plays Aaron? I think he is Aaron. I, yeah. Beautiful man. Uh, so I just was like, you know. It's nice looking at him act. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's really nice. But also, um, I I don't want to mess up her name, Yari. Oh, I can never pronounce it. Um, but the main character, mm -hmm. um, she phenomenal actor. Um, black woman, like done a lot. You just love watching her and Chloe and Howley, who are in it. Like some of my favorite singers. Like they're great. So. I just love the show because that's like that college age of where I'm at. Um, it's a very good show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate seeing some of the, um, uh, the weird and sometimes uncomfortably true stereotypes about college and college administration reflected mm -hmm. back. Um, it's, it's funny and sometimes a little painful to be like, yes. yeah, I wish that I wish that weren't so true, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Jade, it has been uh, a delight having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I Thank hope you. that all of your finals go easily into the night and that on Sunday, May 17th. Oh, gosh, is it the 17th? That is the 17th, right? 17th, 16th? Graduation is the 16th. 16th. Oh. <laughs> getting a day ahead of myself on Sunday, May 16th. Um, uh, don't tell alumni parent relations that I got the day wrong. Uh, uh, that on Sunday, May 16th, that you have an amazing, amazing commencement experience. You deserve yes. it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are entirely welcome. All right, loggers, we are headed out um, into the rest of the week. I hope that you all are doing well. In the immortalized words of Nicole Carino and Carrie Nolasco, take care of yourselves, drink a lot of water, um, and make sure that you are doing good things for yourself this week as we head into next week, which is a short week of classes with and then followed by reading period. Um, yeah, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. We're going to end on uh, another musical note with a song called Girl Like Me from Jasmine Sullivan. This is a favorite of today's guest, uh, Jade Herbert. But again, thanks so much to today's guest, Jade Herbert, class of 2021. Talk at you next week, loggers. Take care.